We have been in a series and we're not in that series anymore. <laughs> so we're going to start something new today. We've been in a series on breaking barriers, looking through the book of Acts, but we completed that. We finished in Acts 28 last week, kind of an overview of Acts, uh, very quick overview. Uh, but I want us to go to uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 7 today. If you want to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. Going to look at something a little bit different today, and maybe for next couple weeks, we'll see. And we're going to look at the warnings of Jesus. The warnings of Jesus. You know, there's not a whole lot of times where Jesus said one of two things. He said either, hey, be on your guard, or watch out. But he said it quite a few times. And he said it for a reason. You know, if you ignore warnings, nothing good happens usually, right? (laughs) If you ignore the warning light on your vehicle that comes on, eventually something bad is going to happen. We'll switch it up and we'll say, we know that, you know, it's always the, the husband that just never pays attention to that light. On the on that dashboard, Ashley called me the other day. She said it it says the fuel cap is loose. What does that mean? I said I don't know. You better call somebody who knows something about cars. <laughs> and uh, I said try taking the the cap that you put the gas in, you know that one, and put it back on. See if that fixes the problem. Sure enough, I guess it fixed the problem. I don't know. She didn't call me back. So. Um, we get warnings, you know, those are silly warnings. You know, if you get a warning on your car, the worst that can happen is that you can just get stranded somewhere. I mean, that's pretty bad, I guess. But, uh, you know, in life, you get warnings. If you ignore warning signs in your health, uh, you can get yourself in trouble. If you ignore, like, ah, oh, that's nothing. Ah, oh, that's nothing. Well, find out if it is nothing. Pray about it. I mean, if God tells you it's nothing, that's fine. Then it should be nothing, and it should go away. But a a warning is something that that doesn't go away until, you know, what is being warned about happens. And so Jesus, there are several times, uh, Jesus is pretty uh, intense. I don't know if we get this picture that Jesus is not intense, but... If you read through the scriptures and the gospels, Jesus is kind of confrontational. He's not like the, you know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. I don't know where we came up with that. Um, he is gentle and he is meek, but I don't think he's mild. <laughs> I think he, he's 100% hot all the time, you know, in salsa, in terms of salsa, Jesus is, is a hot salsa. He is, he is coming at you with everything that he has all the time. If he's coming at you with love, then he's coming at you with his love like no other. He's going to come at you with love. If he's coming at you with grace, he's going to come at you with grace. If he's coming at you with a warning, he's going to come at you with a warning and say, Hello! So I want us to read the scripture first. This is, this is the scripture we're going to start in today. Matthew 7 and verse 15 says this, Watch out for false prophets. 
So there's the warning. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. You know, there's a... We were watching a a documentary-style video. Ashley and I like to watch historical stuff sometimes. And we're re-watching one. It's called uh, The Men Who Built America. It's a story of those guys who are now vilified, all the billionaires back in the 1800s, who, you know, uh, Rockefeller and... Carnegie and Henry Ford and all those guys. And so it's, so it's a, a documentary kind of focused on those guys live, but it kind of highlights different things that are going on in American history and in the country. And it highlighted recently something called the, the Johnstown Flood of 1889. And so um, in the late 1800s, the... You know, steel is just being invented. They're just building up the cities. And so this is in that region of the, the country of steel. And so Andrew Carnegie is, is kind of the big wig. And, uh, he has an assistant named, get this, uh, what is his, I want to make sure I get his name right. Henry Frick. Okay? Henry Frick. Now we don't ever hear of that guy. You've heard, you've probably heard of Carnegie, Carnegie Hall at least or something. Uh, very, very famous man in history. But Henry Frick was his right-hand man. And there was a town called Johnstown that was in the, kind of the bottom of the valley. And there was, a, there was a huge dam at the top. And um, at the top there was, there was the lake. And so Henry Frick, along with, you know, wanted to start a rich guys club. He called it the South Fork Fishing and hunting club, club, an exclusive, exclusive and private mountain retreat. Membership grew to include more than 50 wealthy Pittsburgh steel, coal, and railroad industrialists. Now, the only problem with this was when they built their little nice comfort club to go, I guess, go fishing and sit around and drink martinis or whatever they drank back then, uh, and just talk about how rich they were, I guess. Um, they they modified the portion of the lake and the dam so it actually was lower. And in fact, when they rebuilt some of the stuff and kind of created this man-made area, kind of the, their own little resort, uh, there was a there was a kind of a drainage system, an emergency drainage system that that got torn up, and basically they didn't they didn't rebuild it. They, they were only concerned with their comfort and their enjoyment and their, you know, their blessing. They weren't concerned with, you know, the, the, the workers that worked down in Johnstown. And so, Johnstown, the people of Johnstown lived in constant, you know, kind of awareness that the dam might break. You know, kind of that, that thing like, I grew up in California, okay? So, does everybody still love me? Okay? Southern California... I've been in Texas longer than I was in California now, okay? I've crossed the threshold. I'm fine now, thank you. Mandy now loves me. So, um, thank you. I'm, I've been accepted. But in California, there's always, there's always this thing. When you're growing up as a kid, uh, you, drew, you do earthquake drills. Because what's coming is the big one's coming. 
That's all you hear as a kid. You don't, at first you hear the big one's coming. You don't know what it is, but you know it's bad. <laughs> because it's coming and it's the big one. And you should be scared about it. And you should be nervous about it. And so, you know, you do that. Some of you have never, you've never done an earthquake drill, have you? Anybody else done an earthquake drill? Who's done an earthquake drill here? Nobody. Okay, let me tell you how to do an earthquake drill, just so you know. When they say earthquake, you get under your desk. Okay? And you cover your head, you know, as well as you can, and you hope you don't die. (laughs) That's it. That's an earthquake drill. So we'd have earthquake drills. We'd practice getting under our desks, because... Uh, and I went through several earthquakes, not the big one, but uh, there's nothing like having an earthquake in your house when your grandparents from North Carolina are visiting, uh, visiting your home. And your mom screams, because you all know what you're supposed to do in a house when there's an earthquake, right? You all know, because there's so many earthquakes in Texas, right? You go and stand in the doorframe, because the doorframe is the strongest part of your house. So just... In case you didn't know, if you start feeling an earthquake, get in the door frame. So I'm awakened in the middle of the night uh, by my mother saying, Get in the doorway! Get in the doorway! And you know, the, the house, I mean, it's a nice little shaker. It was like, uh, I don't remember which one, if it was the Whittier or Northrop one or whatever, uh, 6.97, somewhere. It, it's a good, good earthquake uh, where you like, you feel it shaking. And so we get, you know, you stumble out of bed and you get to the doorway like your mother says. And my grandparents never came to visit again. <laughs> never came back. Like, you, you, you come see us. Okay? You know, we're not worried about anything. Maybe a hurricane, but they were pretty far inland in North Carolina. If, if the hurricane hit them, like, it, it's over for the U.S. So they're like, just come visit us. So there's always, you know, so I grew up with, with the warnings about earthquakes. So I know, I know what it is to have, like, the warning and, and, and have, like, someday something bad is going to happen. And so that's what the people in this town had. Someday the dam might break. And so one day... Uh, there's the huge storm came in, drop started dropping about 11 inches of rain. Uh, the the lake water was rising one inch every 10 minutes, and so they begin to, you know, you know what you do when you have a dam. Well, I don't, but I watching the TV. They get the sandbags, and they've got sandbags, and they're loaded from a carriage, you know, with a horse in it, because this is the 1889, and they're throwing sandbags onto the, onto the side of the mountain and the dam and all this, trying to get it. And then at some point, the, the leader of this, you know, who's in charge of this says, he says, hey John, go send a telegram to Johnstown, tell him to evacuate immediately. And so, I don't know how they knew the guy's name was John. Maybe they just picked a good name. But so John goes. So this gentleman goes to the and sends a telegram to the Johnstown Telegram office, and right because that's what happens. And they get the little ticker tape thing going in, and so they get the message. You know, dam is is uh, flooding. Their police, you know, danger, whatever wording they used. And you know what the the guys in the in the telegram office did? They ignored the warning.
Because, you know what, they'd, they'd actually heard that warning before, and nothing happened. But this time, the dam did break. Over 2,200 people were killed as the water rushed through Johnstown. It caused... They found bodies as far as Cincinnati, Ohio. This is in Pennsylvania. From this, from this destruction. Uh, this was along... Up until uh, 9-11 was, the hugest, was one of the hugest disasters in the history of our nation. I don't remember learning about it in school. I'm sure I was asleep during that class. But like there was, there was this, this dam breaking. There's the flood of Galveston in 1900. And then there is 9-11, uh, 2001 uh, is number one. But the, in terms of loss of life in a disaster situation... This one was one of the top three in our nation. It caused over, at that time, $17 million worth of damage, which in today's uh, money would be close to, I think, $500 million, maybe? $500 million. So the, the, point of that, the, the point of the story is this. Um, because certain people chose comfort... They endangered someone else's life. Now, we don't know. We don't know if... Would, would the dam still have broke if they hadn't have done that? Well, we can't really answer that question. I mean, they've done studies and all that. People have their opinions. Uh, but the people of the town, they, they ignored the warning to evacuate. We can't ignore the warnings of Jesus and expect to not have a flood show up in our life. I mean, he sends us a warning not because he just wants to mess around with us. He sends us a warning because he's saying, look, this is, this is a real thing. So I want us to go back. We're going to read this whole passage here, this whole section. We're going to start a little bit before it because I think it gives context. Um, and just pull a few things from this. Verse 13 of Matthew 7 says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate... And broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is, who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, 
Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. And so Jesus gives us several pictures here that are kind of all part of the warning. I mean, he gives us the first one is the picture of the, of the gate and a path, a gate and a road. And he says, look, there's, there's, two, there's two distinct choices here. Uh, one way is really easy. It's really wide open. It's really easy to find. And a lot of people are going to f- go on this road because guess what? It's the easy road. It's the road that just you just go with the flow. It's, it's, the, it's the gate that's really wide. You don't even know you're going through the gate. And it's a way that leads to destruction. And then he says, but there's also another way. And he uses the word, I don't know if it's in NIV, but it, it's the, it, the word is gate and way. It says path there, but it's really the same word that's used when Jesus said, I am the way. It's the same word here. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And only a few find it. So there's this distinction of like, you, of entrance. In other words, you know, you know you're entering this gate. You know, it's not a big old huge open gate where you just walk through and you're like, I don't know where I am. I'm just going on with what's going on in the life. No, there's a specific thing where you know, hey, Jesus, of course, later says, I am the door. I am, I am the, the gate into the, to the, for the sheep that, that are my sheep. I and mean, he says so many different pictures, but Jesus is basically giving him a precursor to say, there's going to be only one way. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what what the culture says. It doesn't matter what anybody else's opinion is. There's no. It's not a democracy. It's not even a republic because we're not a democracy, by the way. Um, you know, it's it's not up to 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 a vote. We had voting this week. It, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. This is the only way. And anything or anyone that says otherwise is lying to you. Now, I know I'm preaching the choir in this part mostly here, so go ahead and start singing choir. So, you know, <laughs> you know we, we believe that. We, we know that. We were like, that's why, we're, you know, I'm, I'm signed up to follow Jesus because He is the way. I don't know everybody in here, but I want to let you know that Jesus is the only way to life. He's the only way to eternal life. He's the only way to life that really matters on earth. He's because you get eternal life right now. Eternal life is not in the future. Eternal life is now. In other words, you become something different. You become someone different now. You receive something different now. Part of heaven is deposited in you now. You receive the Spirit of God, the deposit, the down payment of salvation now when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So he starts with that picture and then he jumps right away. He says, hey, watch out for false prophets. They'll come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly 
They are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, I think we generally think of false prophets as this. Some guy preaching on TV or has a huge ministry, and we're like, I, I, don't, I think he's a heretic, right? You know, you all have opinions, right? Do you watch people and go, oh, gosh, come on now. Uh, you know, that's, that can't be true or whatever. And, and that's fine. We can have opinions. But I, I, I think Jesus was, yeah, he was kind of talking about that. But I think he was more talking about just knowing, hey, there's going to be false prophets that are normal people. What is a false prophet? It says, look, it's somebody who the fruit of their life says one thing, but the result is another. I mean, isn't that what it says? It says there's only one way you'll recognize them. It doesn't say you'll recognize them by the way they talk. It doesn't say you'll recognize them by what they, you know, what they preach or teach. It says you'll recognize them by the fruit of their life. Because it says, and Jesus takes a very simple example. You can't have a bad tree and get bad fruit. It just doesn't work like that. You know, I've got a pecan tree in my backyard. And I've got two pecan trees in my backyard. And we think something's wrong with it. Okay? Part of the problem is squirrels. But um, <laughs> I don't think it's all just squirrels. Because our, our pecans... Like right now, just recently, they were still, some of them were hanging on, they were still green. Uh-oh. They're supposed to like be falling off, you know, and like have the, the be ready to crack open and enjoy and make pecan pie for, for Thanksgiving or whatever. And, you know, they're, they're not, they're, they're still, they're hanging on the, on the branch and they're still, they're still green. Because there's something wrong probably something wrong with I'm not a tree doctor okay I'm not any kind of doctor <laughs> and so a bad tree can't bear good fruit it's impossible it's not going to happen the 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 tree has to be changed in order for it it has to become good it has to become in fact the better word here would be healthy healthy trees produce healthy fruit unhealthy trees produce Unhealthy fruit. So a false prophet to me is anybody who's saying the name of Jesus, pretending they're a sheep, but the fruit of their life shows that they, that Jesus is not their Lord. Because that person is speaking the name of Jesus and living a different lifestyle. And it says, you'll know them by their fruit. You know, it's okay to examine fruit as long as you don't become nitpicky and critical. It's so you're aware. You know, there's been people in my life that said one thing, but their life always was producing turmoil and confusion and and separation of relationships and brokenness. And you're like, something is not right here. The What you say on a Sunday morning or when you're talking to me because I'm the pastor, doesn't line up with the fruit of your life. Your life will look different because you're healthy. If you're a healthy person, then you will produce good, healthy fruit. If you're unhealthy, you'll produce unhealthy, rotten fruit. 
Everybody still smiling at me? No, nobody's smiling at me right now. (laughs) This is a warning. Sometimes we have to hear warning. Have you ever wondered why they make the warning label small on things? (laughs) Right? Have you pulled up something that you're eating and you're like, what is in it? You know, warning. (laughs) If you eat this whole box of, you know, Cocoa Krispies in one sitting... That's going to be bad. (laughs) You know, when you're over 40, you can't do that anymore. Used to be able to do that. Eat a a whole box or something. Some of you ate a whole box of cereal too, right? I don't know if I really did, but um, I just wanted you to admit it. Um, (laughs) But you know, it's funny funny that the warning labels are like really small and hidden. Jesus' warning labels aren't like that. And we don't want to, be, as the people of God, to put the warning labels of Jesus and go, yeah, you might find that every once in a while. You know, we, you know I get it. Some, the church, for some, at some point, got off to where everything was a warning label. You know, where every, every week it's a warning. You know, you grow up, you've got to be afraid of the rapture, or you're going to miss the rapture, or whatever. Uh, that was my growing up, you know. It's like, watch the movie and go the freak out movie from the 70s and it's like and those movies are scary i mean if if there's not there's no scarier movie than that to me (laughs) and then they're like who wants to receive jesus you're like well i already did but i'm going to make sure (laughs) just making sure (laughs) going forward again well you already got saved 37 times just making sure after that movie i'm going to make sure again you know so as the church we kind of we kind of got like where everything was a warning because it, but if everything's a warning, guess what? Nobody pays attention to the warning, right? Just like Johnstown, you get too many warnings. You're like, warning overload. You know, the boy who cried wolf syndrome or whatever. You cry so many times, like, I'm not going to come when you answer. And so we don't want to have it where everything's a warning, but we don't want it to be on the other side where there are no warnings. We're like, it's all just good. God's just, he just loves everybody and everything's all good and, and you're going to be happy. Just, just receive Jesus. You'll be happy. That's not what he said. That's not what the Bible says. He said, receive Jesus and then you'll be healthy. And you'll change. You'll be transformed into the image of Christ. You'll, you'll get humility in your life. You'll, have, you'll, you'll be broken over the weaknesses in your life and say, God, I need your strength. You'll be... You'll be convicted because you hold bitterness towards somebody else and you say, I gotta, I gotta get rid of this. This, this can't stay in my heart. This is not good. It's not gonna produce good fruit in my life. So I think it's healthy to have a balance to say, we gotta sometimes have, read the warnings of Jesus. Verse 21, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. The word will there is the Greek word thelema, which means like his desires. That's God's, God's desires, what he wants, what, what, his, what he has passion for. In other words, you know, and at the end of this section, you know, this is, this is the, the section that got put in for us if we just want to live a life that's supernatural, but we don't have a connection with the, with the Father. And I don't think there's anybody here who's, who has that desire, but we have that, we have this warning to say, you can have a life of miracles and not know Jesus. 
It says it right here. These people perform miracles. They're driving out demons. They're prophesying. They're, they're sharing things for God. And it says, I never knew you. In other words, the warning is, hey, make sure, you know, this is about relationship with Jesus. Do you know him? Do you know him? Does he know you? And then Jesus closes it and says, therefore, in other words, he, all the stuff he's been talking about, here's the, the therefore. This is the reason the therefore is therefore. Right? Have you ever heard that before? Uh, here's the deal. <laughs> therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. You know, when you, when you obey what Jesus is saying to you, you are establishing a foundation in your life where you cannot be shaken. You are building yourself, uh, you are building a net of safety for the storms of life. You are getting yourself ready for that next thing. Because there is going to be a next thing. There, there's going to be a storm. Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have trouble. You're going to face it. I promise it. Paul said, through many hardships, you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven. I get this is not like the popular, like, American message. Oh, we all feel good. Everybody slaps Pastor John on the hand and says, great message, Pastor. But this is real. This is what the Word says. If you don't do what Jesus said, you're going to get destroyed. Your life is going to be full of brokenness and destruction. You have to do what He says to do. You have to obey Him. You have to follow Him. You have to trust Him. You have to give Him everything. He has to be the one that your, your trust is in. He has to be the, the source of your life. He has to be enough by Himself. If nothing else changes in your life and you have Jesus, that has to be enough forever. You know, the things that we don't know about... can sometimes hurt us. It's watching another documentary. It's <laughs> all we watch, probably. I don't know. I don't know what else we watch. Um, and it's on the life of, of a gentleman named, uh, who's president of the United States, President James A. Garfield. How many of you know anything about President Garfield? Uh, well, I didn't until I watched this. I mean, I knew he was, I, I knew he wasn't a cat, Okay. In a comic strip. Okay, that's about all I knew. And, uh, you know, other than that, I knew, honestly knew he was a president and he had the same name as like, like a cartoon I watched when I was a kid. So that, that's about all I knew about President Garfield. President Garfield was, was, uh, shot in the middle of his term. Uh, but he didn't die right away. And so he was, he was taken back into the White House and there was a doctor who, the doctor that was, it was controversial whether the doctor was chosen or the doctor himself chose himself to be the doctor. But his name was Dr. Bliss. Okay? Some of these guys' names, you're like, you wonder where things come from if you're like, 
Henry Frick? Is that like, uh, you know, because nobody knows about him. But anyway, but Bliss. So Dr. Bliss had some ignorance in his life. See, Dr. Bliss didn't know that there were invisible agents that could bring harm to our body. He didn't believe that there were anything invisible that could bring harm. Okay? What, in other words, he didn't know about germs. Because back in that time, this is also in this same time period, I believe it's just in the 1890s, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. Um, and so when President Garfield was shot... They took him back to, it looks like they took him back to the White House, and they had a room, they were treating him. And so they, they began to probe for the bullet. Uh, and so, but, but you know what? They didn't know that you're supposed to wash the utensil that you stick inside the person. Nurses are getting gross here. Okay, they didn't wash out the wound. They didn't wash out the wound at all. There's no, there's no sterilization, no gloves. I mean, Dr. Bliss didn't care if he washed his hands or not. I mean, he was, there was no, you know, you know, that, you know, he wasn't using hand sanitizer. I mean, there was nothing. Um, they didn't pour anything on it. And they, and there were some other doctors that came in that was a, somewhat related to the president's family that there was this new understanding that maybe there was, you know, there's this stuff that we couldn't see that would cause infections in people's bodies. But the medical community had not come on board totally with this. And so something that was real that they didn't know about that was invisible was bringing harm to people. And so Dr. Bliss, in ignorance... <laughs> isn't that weird? It's weird. I just I cracked it up. Uh, I mean, they probe for this bullet like... Numerous, numerous times. They could never find the bullet. And so at first, President Garfield kind of started to get better. Like he rebounded on the newspapers. You know, that's all they had back then. The newspapers were like, President was shot, but he's recovering. He's doing well. He's gaining strength. You know, and so... He, he got to a point for, for a number of days where he was actually getting stronger. He was, he was up. He was getting better. And... And then he began to decline slowly. He just slowly went into decline. And they, they couldn't figure out why. And Dr. Bliss was very, you know, it looks like at least the people who did this documentary and what I read, there was some confusion about, you know, he, he probably was just ignorant. He wasn't intentionally trying to harm the president or any kind of conspiracy theory. He just didn't know. He didn't know about the invisible things that were affecting President Garfield's body. And so ultimately... Even though some guys came and tried to warn him and say, hey, have you cleaned the wound? Have you thought about this? And he's like, well, that's, we haven't proven that yet. That's not, that's not, I don't believe in that. President Garfield became in, infected on the inside and infections spread through his body and, and he was, he was killed. Uh, ultimately, not because he was shot, but because he was infected and died of infection. What we don't know about sometimes can bring harm to us. And so it's good to know what Jesus says is a warning. It doesn't matter if we believe in it or not. It's true. I can be 
as ignorant as Dr. Bliss if I want to be. Ignorance is bliss. I couldn't find that that was where that statement came from, but it made me wonder. Ignorance is not bliss, by the way. Uh, Those things that you don't know about Jesus will affect your life. Those things that you don't know about the spirit realm, about the world, you know, they will affect you. And so that's why you want to get in the word of God and say, I need to know what Jesus said so that I can do what he has said and build my solid foundation on the rock of Jesus. So I don't know if the warning light is on for you or if this is just a, you know, just a little information time for you to to take stock. But my prayer is that today that we would examine our dashboard of our life and say, is there a light on somewhere? Is there a light on somewhere that says, hey, warning, warning, I need to take care of this. We probably know what it is. You know what I'm saying? It's not like we're not we're not usually that ignorant. Uh, we usually know when there's there's an issue and there's a problem and we're just like, I'll get to that later. You know, ah, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, I don't know what that light means on my truck. We'll, we'll just get to it later. And Jesus today is, is just bringing it to the forefront to say, hey, let's, let's deal with that thing. And sometimes you need somebody else to come in your life and you need somebody else to pray with you and talk with you and walk you through it. Uh, whatever that is, get somebody that you trust and get in the Word together, get in prayer together and find a way out. Find a way to deal with that warning light and don't just ignore it and think it'll go away because it might not go away. And it might cause something... You know, there might be a flood of something coming in your life and you're not ready for it. So let's stand. We're just going to we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to just speak to us. Holy Spirit, we just thank you right now for ministering to us, Lord. It's not about condemnation. It's not about us trying to find something wrong with ourselves. It's just being aware of what you're saying in our lives and not ignoring the warning light that's going off, Lord. So if there's any of us here who need to address something, God, we just we just pray right now that you would highlight that for us. Just remind us of that. Maybe we've we put it in the back of our minds so far that we don't know. Most of us probably we know. And we just invite you right now. I say, Holy Spirit, come and begin to deal with our hearts. Lord, make us healthy. Lord, if there's anything unhealthy in my life, if there's anything unhealthy in the way I'm thinking, if there's anything unhealthy in the way I'm believing, that you would bring change to that. Lord, that you would transform me by the renewing of my mind, where my mind would line up with the Word of God, with the truth of God, where my where my actions will line up with my words, that I wouldn't live as one who is says one thing and does another. Lord, I just thank you for making us yours, God, that we can know you. Lord, I thank you that the promise is that we can know you and hear the voice of God, that you're not far off, that you're not separated from us anymore, that Jesus, you've made the way so we could have a relationship with you, Father God. And so we invite you, Father, to address those things in our lives, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that as, Lord, if there's things where we are not walking in obedience, Lord, we choose to repent. We choose to repent. I repent, God, and I choose to walk away from that and to trust you instead. To trust you instead of myself. To believe that that you know best. And we thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen.